T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. Hopefully you're getting through this hump day very smooth and not too much hump to bump, as they call it sometimes. Going to help you smooth it out a little bit on the way with some music from the Joe Rose Show. And they're not just going to be playing the music that you're hearing behind me from Jimi Hendrix. They're doing the sports talk music thing going to be music to your ears if you are a sports talk fan as they talk to the ad of the u blake james about the current state of the athletic program there and about upcoming football season also the dan levitard show talking to the always lovely and pleasurable mina kimes that came out wrong but you understand what i mean then hawk and crowder break dance until they're bald right now let's break dance into these headlines The NBA is expected to approve a 22-team return in Orlando. It will include eight regular season games, a possible play-in tournament, then the playoffs. Games will run from July 31st to October 12th. In wake of possible NBA's restart, Jimmy Butler has returned to Miami to be close to teammates and practice. Miami AD Blake James believes Kane's football will start on time, albeit with no to few fans in the stands. The MLS and its players have agreed on a collective bargaining agreement, thus avoiding a lockout, and could return in July. Legendary University of Tennessee former player and coach Johnny Majors has passed away at age 85. Majors also won a national championship as a coach at Pitt in 1976. Manny Diaz says most of his team has returned to town and have access to the practice facilities at the university. The season is scheduled to open September 5th against Temple. And now we take a step into the day spa. (sighs) A Fort Myers couple heard a knocking on their door only to find out it was two gators fighting on their front porch. Yep, that's Florida. A video has gone viral of a woman's dogs playing with her vibrator. Ooh, you're going to need to sterilize that toy. She is my hot mess of the day, though. A man has come under some heat online after posting a picture of his own kind of cabanara that includes thin spaghetti, a craft single, and some hot dog wieners. Be careful. In Italy, they'll sentence you to life in prison for that atrocity. Now on to weather. Tonight's forecast, more rain with temperatures around 80. It's always raining goodness in the mornings. 6 to 10 right here on 560 The Joe with The Joe Rose Show. This morning, talking to the you, the AD, the man, 
seems to be under control. That's why I like hearing this interview. It's going to kind of put your heart and your nerves at ease when it comes to sports. Blake James, what is he talking about? Players and coaches having a moment of silence, which was very important and very touching the other day. The state of practice facilities. Also, what about the student body? Not to mention, what about fans in the stands and the hardest part of his job these days? First off, uh, welcome to the program. Second off, I thought it was great. Uh, And I'll speak on behalf of our show here, what happened yesterday on campus uh, with the football team. I saw Jim Laranega, a picture of him, the eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence today at the facility. I thought it was great work by all you guys there on campus. Good job by everyone. I wanted to start with that. Been tough times in, in our country and, and around the world uh, in over the last, I'm say it's probably 10 days to two weeks now. And, uh, you know, to have the opportunity for our student athletes to be able to come together and show their frustration, their support, their call for change was something that uh, I talked with uh, Manny, with uh, Kate, Katie Meyer, uh, our head coaches, the rest of our head coaches. And we just had a great turnout from our students. And it just uh, shows the great young people we have in the program and, and their desire to, to take on challenges and, and change our world for a better place. Are the athletes allowed back? Uh, what's the new rules as far as letting all your athletes come back and train at school? Today we opened up the facilities, I guess I'll kind of say in a park-like mentality uh, approach. Um, we're not out there uh, working uh, working them out or anything like that. In line with the, the rules that have been play, put in place in, in Dade County, specifically Coral Gables, just to open our facilities back up to let the kids in a socially distanced environment and, and recognizing the need to fall in line with protocols, they have the access to our, our facility. So our tennis players want to go out and play tennis they don't necessarily need to walk to a local park in Coral Gables and play tennis they can come to our facility and play tennis if our other kids want to get out on a field and and run kick the ball throw the ball uh, whatever it is we're allowing them to do that as a uh, as of effect uh, as of, uh, effective yesterday I think you saw the NCA release that it opened up for uh, June 1st and so we have them out there doing that we'll start ramping things up here and uh, I think it's been discussed publicly but uh, and I'm sure by some of your conversations with uh, our staff uh, we'll have the guys in football that are local starting the process next week with the idea that we'll be uh, bringing them into workouts on uh, Monday, June 15th. I know one of the big things has been testing, keeping everybody safe. It's going to be so important going forward with, with games for, for everybody at every level. What kind of things can you do, Blake, with, with the unknown of the coronavirus? Listening to the experts is, is one. I think being smart, and, and again, you, you know, you saw us yesterday, uh, you know, being socially distanced uh, when we can, wearing masks, uh, you know, doing our part to to stop the spread. Um, I'm not a, a medical expert, so I'm not going to get into all the specifics of, of the testing aspect, but I think there are a number of steps we'll take from testing to you know isolation to, to different things that we need to do uh, with our young people to put them in the, in the best position to really provide a, a safe and healthy environment for them to uh, come back and uh, compete and uh, you know ultimately attend classes. Blake, yeah, especially uh, attending classes, what's the conversation been like with Dr. Frank? or anyone else from the NCAA about campuses kind of reopening in the fall or, or, or starting to reopen where, where students can come back, obviously the student-athletes also. But where, where have those talks been? Where are they now? Where are they kind of presently? Well, they're not with the NCAA, Zach, as much as, as their institutional decisions. And so we obviously 
obviously have a, a great leader in, in Dr. Frank and uh, someone who, when it comes to experience with pandemics, I, I would argue is probably uh, uh, the, the premier and uh, president, college president in the country. And so we have that wonderful benefit at the University of Miami in what we're doing. And so uh, the focus has been on opening campus back up. And I know that through the leadership of, of our university, uh, we're going to be ready to go uh, in as healthy and safe of this environment as they'll be in the country for kids this fall. And I uh, look forward to uh, having the entire campus back because I think that's a big part of what makes the collegiate experience special. With that said, it'll be different. I think we all recognize the world is, has changed and we have to take a different approach to things. So it won't be the same student-athlete experience uh, that our kids had last August and September, uh, but it'll, it'll be a, a great experience at the University of Miami starting this August and, and going forward. And I know it's one that'll continue to evolve as, as changes uh, are made with, with combating the virus to, you know, hopefully down the road a vaccine and, and, and everything that's going to go along with it. Uh, but I feel confident in, in really communicating to our, our young people in our program and to their parents who you know, are concerned about their safety and well-being, um, that they're coming back to a place that is prepared to, to open and provide a great experience for our students this fall. You talk to the ACC athletic directors and, and all the different states and everybody's got different coronavirus issues going on right now. Do you still expect football season on time? Just oh, your yeah. own gut feeling right now that starts on time or it slides a little bit? My, my gut today, Joe, is we start on time probably without fans in the stands. And again, that can all change because you, you look at it. I mean, we're, we're not even three months from March 12th. I'll say when this all hit and we're still three months away from September 5th when our, when our game first game is to be played. And so so to say what it's going to look like on September 5th, I think is is difficult. With that said, to answer your question, we'll be playing a, a 12 game 13 uh, in 13 weeks uh, schedule starting on time, and uh, the, that's our plan right now. Again, we're in daily uh, conversations. It, it, it feels like uh, as a league, um, I have the opportunity to uh, work with a, a few of our other athletic directors and a few coaches on a on a football specific committee that's modeling all sorts of different scenarios and communication with the NCA on proposals of how we approach things. And uh, again, uh, we've modeled a, a variety of things from you know, seven game uh, schedules in, in seven weeks because we talked about six game, but you, you can't do that without being in seven weeks. And if you're going to have seven weeks and you can play seven games, let's do that to uh, starting you know as late as, uh, as November. So there's been a lot of thought put into it. With that said, my thought is that we'll be uh, starting on uh, in September and playing a full okay. schedule. Let's get into the other one. Uh, Zach and I were just talking about Tom Garfinkel brought this up, so I got to give Tom credit, and I like it. I hope Tom's not upset. This limited capacity thing, if if we can prove it's safe uh, to get, I, I know you've heard this, fifteen or 20,000 in the 60-something thousand stadium at Hard Rock. What are your thoughts about that? I think it'd be great. And, and again, we're, we're blessed. I guess, Joe, when you look at my job, I, I work with two leadership groups. I work with uh, President Frank and the group at the University of Miami, and I work with Tom Garfinkel and, and the leadership group at Hard Rock Stadium. And fortunate in that both are outstanding in what they do. And if Tom and his group can create a, a model that provides for a, a safe environment for, for our students and, and for the fans that are attending, I think it would be uh, you know a, a great uh, it'd be a celebration, like I said just a you know a minute ago, you know my gut is that we probably start without fans in the stands. That's not what we'd like. We'd love to have a full stadium. Recognize that's probably not realistic right now. So if we can have a modified version, I think it, it's a big win. Blake, get ready for those emails. By the way, if that does happen, <laughs> when I mean emails, oh. I'm talking about you're going to have yeah. three Canes fans standing outside your door. One's going to give you a hug. The other two are going to flick you off for saying, "How come I can't get into the stadium, but yeah. these guys can't?" I've this been is... with you since right, 1980. Right. 
Yeah. I think it's. I well, hope, and I and listen. I hope that they play with, with uh, uh, fans in the stands. I hope we get back to some sort of quote unquote, you know, normal here in, in the country with that. But man, that's going to be tough for you and Tom Garfinkel if that does happen, because you two will be blamed for fans not being in there or fans being in there. It stinks, but that's just kind of the reality that we'll all probably be living in. Yeah, I get. It. I mean, anytime, anytime you you make a decision that uh, impacts one person negatively, you're you're going to get a, a reaction, and and obviously we'll understand that. And I guess what I will. Say is, you know, we all want to uh, have everyone there and we're going to create as, as fair and as equitable system that uh, we feel can be put in place, recognize that uh, someone will feel it wasn't fair and equitable because they didn't, weren't able to attend the game that they wanted to attend or the games they wanted to attend or whatever it may ultimately be. Like, I know the hard part with, with radio, although nobody cares about our our group of radio stations, except you, because we got a good partnership. But you, you know what we've been through? We've been through furloughs. A lot of people got fired. The other group took a cut in pay. Have you had to do that? And how difficult is that as you're trying to save money and, and keep these programs alive? Yeah, we're doing our part, Joe. I, again, like your business, uh, I think everyone's business is, if not suffering, at least needing to really tighten the, tighten the belt. And uh, we needed at EZ University to take steps, protect the, the long-term viability and, and financial stability of the institution. And uh, obviously, we do our part in, in line with what the university asks. And uh, again, we couldn't have better leadership. And, uh, you know, we're happy uh, to do it. We have uh, great support from uh, our, our coaches uh, who gave up uh, voluntarily uh, compensation to just the overall approach of the institution and, and us uh, putting the best foot forward, not only as an institution uh, or not only as an athletic department, but obviously in step with the institution. Blake, what's Blake. the most difficult job for you right now as the athletic director trying to keep this thing together and, and get it going forward? The, the biggest thing is, is the unknown of how do we how do we create the, the safest environment uh, for our students to be able to do the things that they love. You know, I, Joe, I spoke with a number of the, the football student-athletes uh, last Friday just to get their perspective on what are their concerns as we talk about bringing them back in this in this coronavirus uh, era you know their safety and well-being and you know as probably no surprise to either one of you I think at least three to five of the first questions were about how many games do you think we'll play our parents going to be able to get tickets you know those types of things I mean these young people are are passionate uh, about playing a sport that they love obviously in this case I was talking to football players and these guys want to want to get back out there they want to play football obviously they they want to be safe and, and they will they want their, their health to be protected, uh, but they want to they want to play the game. That's the biggest challenge right now. Is how do we create uh, an, an environment as safe as possible, recognizing there's no perfect solution um, that allows them to you know compete in the sport they love, which is a is a contact sport in in a in a time when uh, all the experts are telling us we need to avoid contact. And so that's that's the biggest challenge right now. Like I know it's not written in sharpie, probably written in pen uh, pencil at this point. But what's the early plan right now for football coming back? practice-wise, when they'll be able to get on, you know, I obviously know the practice facility is kind of opened up now by the NCAAs, and you can get on campus, but when it comes down and to the all that, is there... hasn't, there's not confusion. Our indoor facilities are not open. We, we got a special uh, exception yesterday. We're actually, we're going to be outside, and then the South Florida afternoon storms hit, and we <laughs> uh, moved it inside, and obviously appreciate President Frank on that front. Our our indoor facilities uh, won't open up yet for, for use, uh, you know, until, uh, I guess I'm not sure the exact timeline of that, uh, but the timeline with the players, you know, as I said earlier, we got probably about 65 that are in South Florida. We've given them all uh, physicals and we'll do the, I guess, the re-socialization process of testing and whatnot to have them ready to go on June 15th. 
the rest of our guys will have ready to go July 1st. You know, that's for off-season conditioning. And then the plan as we sit today would be to still start on a regular date. I want to say it's the first Saturday in August. But it may be that the NCA creates an opportunity to move it up uh, a week or two. So I've seen models that would have us, you know, start kind of a ramp-up period from a, a conditioning everything as early as July 25th recognizing a lot of schools won't have that opportunity to have that con- off-season conditioning uh, that we're looking to start you know, June 15th with you know, a good portion of the guys. Uh, so that might open it up a little bit earlier. But as we sit today, I think we'll still open up as scheduled. Blake, what percentage of uh, the football team is back right now? Let's see if we have 115 guys and there's probably 65 in the area. So what does that come out to, Joe? I'm, you're better than math. I mean, 60%? No, no, probably. no. Yeah, 60%. I was going to say a lot of guys out of state aren't here then. They're still home, huh, with their families? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys are at home. Obviously, uh, you know when this all hit, they they went home, and and obviously we're blessed that we have you know so many kids in uh, the Cal South Florida home. And so whether they're living here in, in Dade and in, in you know with their families or in an off-campus housing that they have for school or in Broward or, or Palm Beach yeah. with you know with family, they're here local and they're able to easily uh, get down to to campus uh, you know when needed. And so we'll look to have them uh, be here to start uh, off-season conditioning on the 15th. Blake, man, appreciate you uh, coming on, spending a little bit of time, getting us caught up on everything. It's uh, been a while. Hang in there. By the way, how are you doing on social media? Are you getting bashed as much as I've been getting bashed? Are you still getting those, I hate you, and uh, I'm going to turn you off because you're talking about something I don't like right now? (laughs) Are you getting that stuff? Yep. You haven't got the advice not to read mentions yet? I read them for him. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I like to sprinkle that sunshine right all over Joe every morning. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's, that's a good way to start the morning have Zach read your mention. Right. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I haven't kept up with it through all this. I mean, there's just been so many different things going on, and I think people are focused on things. I'm sure there's someone who's uh, upset that I did something every day, so that's just a, a reality of, of the job. But uh, things are great. I have my, my health. I have a, a great institution that I work for and my family. Well, I think everyone's going stir crazy. I think like everyone else, we're, uh, we're doing well and, uh, and looking forward to coming out of this uh, COVID-19 era and, and getting to the, whatever the new normal is. If you get up early in the mornings, maybe for work, maybe that's just your natural clock, maybe you're going for walks, maybe you're working out, maybe you just want to listen to the Joe Rose Show. Turn it to 560, hang out with Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, and the team, 6 to 10 weekdays. Also, you can download the podcast wherever you get the podcast for absolutely free. Also, radio.com app and our website, wqam.com, and that also goes for this show and if you can't catch the joe rose show in the morning of course i'll always have some of the best of here from five six clock on five six zero the joe five sixty the joe we start at six we go to seven but ramp up a little bit at five o'clock with hawk and crowder we're gonna get to hawk and crowder in just a little while but first let's check in with dan levitard i agree with everything you've been saying about these statements over the last few days how toothless and lame they are Mina Kimes joins the guys in five minutes here on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Happy birthday to Billy Howell. Who? Billy Howell is actually the keyboardist for Leonard Skinner while making this song. Ooh, that smell. Billy Howell, pal. Born on this day in 1952, unfortunately passed away 2009. R.I.P. Love your playing. There's too much coke and too much smoke. I always turn up at the right time, it seems. Ooh, 
Oh, yeah, you can smell the Dan Levitard Show and hear them weekdays from 10 to 1 right here on 560. The Joe, they have not turned a blind eye to everything that's going on in this world. So earlier today, they had the always lovely, always intelligent to listen to Mina Kimes on the show talking about speaking out and also how the NFL should handle the whole Colin Kaepernick situation. Do you think that corporations should be saying anything at all, even if what they're going to say is going to be totally empty and toothless? Reject that premise of the question, right? Because a lot of people responded to the Dolan initial comment saying he wasn't qualified to say anything, saying, yeah, see, if you can't say anything, don't say anything at all. That's not an acceptable option. I agree with everything you've been saying about these statements over the last few days, how toothless and lame they are, right? I mean, they have they have made the phrase systemic racism completely meaningless by refusing to actually explain what that means. Who is doing the racism, right? I mean, so few of them are actually using the words police violence or police brutality. But I actually, I still think the fact that all of these companies, these teams feel compelled to say anything, even the banal statements, which I, I think are useless on their face. The sheer volume of them matters. It matters internally. You saw Pablo's report, as I begrudgingly give him credit for his reporting. Um, it matters to the, the Knicks employees because it is a litmus, te- litmus test, I think, for where these owners stand. Again, the fact that they're saying anything at all. But it matters because it, it says something about priorities. A big part of the reason why... NFL teams didn't give Colin Kaepernick a chance. There were ideological reasons for a lot of the owners. They actually disagreed with him, the things he was saying, the things he did. But they were also economically fearful, and I think incorrectly so. They were afraid there would be backlash, that it would hit their wallets. Now consider this. These teams are economically fearful for the opposite reason right now. They are afraid to say nothing or to say the wrong thing. And I think that speaks to the fact that this has all been so normalized. It's moved so much. I mean, Nike, they backed Kaepernick in part because they believe their customers supported him. And I think these team statements reflect that these companies and teams see that there's a shifting priority, right? That these, that their own customers, that their fans, not just their employees, and that matters too, that they want them to do this. And and I think that's really important that the norm is moving in America right now. Mina, I understand the employees wanting their team, their organization to do it. So they're not the ones who are part of an organization that doesn't do it. But do we care? The fact that it's insincere, an insincere statement from James Dolan is going to matter that much to that many people, uh, because it would be insincere, I believe, if it came from James Dolan. And why are we looking to James Dolan for leadership at a time like this? I think my point is we're not looking to him for leadership. Like, no one's going to read a statement and learn something for the most part. I mean, there's a few statements out there. I thought what the Tampa Bay Rays said, you go look that up, was really well done. Uh, The Wizards, Dan, I mentioned yesterday on the show, the fact that they let their players speak for them. I don't know why more teams aren't doing that, by the way. That would have been so easy for Dolan to do. Oh, I'm not qualified. I don't want to say anything. But you know what? I'm going to show my players that I view them as partners, and I'm going to show fans that I care. And and I'm just going to let them speak. It's so easy, and I don't know why more teams aren't doing that. But my point is this. You're not looking to a statement as a text, right? It's not a book. It's not an article. It's not something you're you're not going to learn some broader lesson, I think, about what's happening right now from a statement. But I do think it's not only like it, it is a signal to your employees. I do think the fact that they're putting them out again, it's not about the actual like it, it, it's not about us learning from the statement. It's about what the fact that these companies, these corporations, these economically motivated entities 
feel compelled to do this, what that says to me. I mean, shoot, there's a reason why white quarterbacks are posting Black Lives Matter. Freaking fast food companies are getting in on it. Nobody said, none of these people said anything in 2012 when Trayvon Martin was killed, 2014, Mike Brown, 2016 when Colin Kaepernick knelt. Now they feel compelled to show support. Something is shifting. And I do think this corporate response is indicative of that, even if the response itself isn't a lesson. You came up as a business reporter. You, uh, we are delighted to know things like you never even knew that Tony Kornheiser was someone who was on Monday Night Football. (laughs) Um, uh, um, but when, when you see, when you see Ben and Jerry's make their corporate statement where I feel like if there's anything America can agree on is it's that that ice cream is delicious. (laughs) Like none of us, like we're no more, we're no unified anywhere the way we are there. Like all people like Ben and Jerry's. When you see their statement be that kind of strong why can't these other statements have the phrase police brutality in it with while saying it's not that we're against the police we're just against the brutality because the team of pr people who are writing them i guess for these other companies and are being held accountable by their owners are responding to their owners fears their beliefs I, i know i said they're economically fearful but i think there's different grades of that right there's different perceptions of how their fans or their viewers or their listeners or their consumers will receive things. I think there are still companies that do believe, okay, well, we can't say this much. We have to say something, right? Because like I said, the center has moved on this. But if we say these words, that might not fly. I think they're wrong. And again, these, this is moving. Like, I, I cannot stress enough. Four years ago, this would not have happened. These companies wouldn't say anything, Dan. And I'm not saying it's meaningful. I'm not saying it's useful. I'm not plotting them. I am not pitying them. I, I, there's a thing going on right now where companies and teams and white people are saying, well, I don't, I, I'm so conflicted. What if I say anything? I'll be accused of not doing enough. I'm going to be tone police. World's tiniest violin if you're concerned right now is whether or not you're going to get a mean internet comment or you feel pressured to say something. But I do believe the fact that all of them, that everyone is saying something, it does matter. It doesn't matter functionally. It matters in a larger sense. Can the NFL ever escape the stain of how they treated Kaepernick? I don't think so. I don't think while this generation is in place. I've been thinking about that because I've been thinking if the players chose to peacefully protest the same way this season, what would happen? Uh, Coach Sean McVay, the Rams said yesterday he would support his players no matter what they did. And he, he didn't, he wasn't talking about kneeling or anything, but you know, that sort of opened that door. And I, I've been wondering, Dan, like what would happen if Kaepernick if he did his protests now, I don't think it would be received the same way. I, I mean, or ill-received, rather. I think because of that sort of the the economic pressure I described earlier, the fact that there is this understanding of shifting norms, I don't think they would respond in the same way with that fear of business backlash. But to your question about whether or not they can escape what happened, what they did, it's going to follow them. I mean, you saw the Niners put out yesterday, they did the Black Square, I believe, and, you know, hosted Black Lives Matter. They were roasted by a lot of people. And, but, and that's unfair because, Frank, it, it, every team, every team passed on him, you know? So it, it's something that's going, and this is something I thought at the time when this was happening. I thought, man, this is never going to be washed away. The decision's made right now. And, and I think that's true. Mina, thank you for being on with us. Thanks for having me. So much craziness. Coronavirus, social unrest. There is a tropical storm out in the Gulf of Mexico. It is raining cats and dogs here in Miami, flooding all over the place. We need some good craziness. In that case, we turn to Hawk and Crowder. 
In fact, you know what? That's going to be my new story as to how I lost my hair. Find out how Hawk lost his hair in five minutes on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Rain got you down. I got something you can do. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. You can also listen to some of this Jane's Addiction. My man, Perry Farrell, with some superhero. Also, the theme song, of course, for the hit HBO show Entourage, which I love, 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 love. And the reason I'm thinking about it is Sloan from Entourage. Oh. I watched a movie with her in it this weekend called Then Came You. She still got it, just like Perry Farrell. Speaking of having it, legendary Dodgers broadcaster Vin Scully on this day in 1989, get this, he broadcast 23 innings in two different cities on the same day. I don't even know how that's possible. Vin Scully, and he did it by himself. He had no color commentator. He was the play-by-play and the color commentator. That is what you call absolute greatness. Maybe not as great as Vin Scully, but nearing that level. Hawk and Crowder, afternoons 3-6 to six right here on 560 The Joe. They break down breakdancing. They remind us that radio is a town square. NBA, let's go! They're feeling it musically. And then at the end, me being a New Orleans guy, they're going to kind of break my heart a little bit. Turbo, Boogaloo Boogie, what's that show called? You're not lying. <laughs> Breaking two electric Boogaloo. <laughs> there you go. I thought it was Boogaloo Boogie. Haven't seen it enough. You are not lying. Beat Street, the king of the beat. Keep a rocking that beat from across the street. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's get us some cardboard, Hawk, and go out there and perform for the people. Cardboard? I've got a breakboard. I'm not using <laughs> cardboard. I got Alfonso Ribeiro's breakboard. <laughs> He's wondering if he's still getting residual. You remember that thing? <laughs> yes, you showed me. Alfonso. I didn't. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. you introduced me to the breakboard by Alfonso one day on the show. I never heard of it before you talked about it. Yeah, I got to see if I can find that online. Alfonso Ribeiro. Yeah, there it is. There's the ad. 1985. It's a commercial. Alfonso Ribeiro from Fresh Prince. I think he does uh, funniest home videos now. It yeah. was Alfonso Ribeiro's breakboard. So, you know, you'd go, uh, this is, you're too young for this, Solana, but you'd go breakdancing with your crew out on the street. You need a little piece of cardboard. So when you do your little helicopter spin on your head, you're not getting torn up by the concrete. They're not concerned with that nowadays, Hawk. I know. In fact, you know what? That's going to be my new story as to how I lost my hair. That is awesome. I think I came up with a good, uh, I think I came up with a good story. Oh man, I was such a break dancer back in the day. And before I had that breakboard, man, concrete just tore all the stuff out of my scalp. <laughs> You know what? It would go from laughs to sympathy. I think right? you got something. Yeah. Right. Oh man, that dude was down with it. He was he was so into breakdancing, tore up his scalp. <laughs> I would feel bad for you. I feel bad even though I know it's a lie. I still feel bad. You heard of a breakboard, uh, Solana? Yeah, I've seen you got served. Yeah, well go back. Go back and watch Breaking, Breaking Two, Beat Street. Oh watch it. We should give those to Jay Fig. She wouldn't know what yeah. hit her. Yeah.
Oh, my goodness. That's when All dancing right. was dancing. When dancing was dancing, and your wow. crew was a crew full of fellas that danced with you. Nowadays, <laughs> they, they're trying to make babies on the dance floor. I don't know what's going on. When oh, you say squad up nowadays, you're looking for a fight. Back then, you'd say squad up. I was looking for someone to, you know, do the arm flippy thing so I can continue. I keep the worm going. <laughs> I, I was I was serving people for about 18 months when I was in college. <laughs> I was in the middle of the circle doing the little the dances and all i gotta be honest i'm <laughs> not pr- i'm not proud of that that time in my oh life oh my god i so like you would take it from t and then you'd hand it off to jay yep like me who the hell is jarvis t my buddy jarvis <laughs> we would be in the club and people would start dancing and i come in the circle do my thing and then i i i god i'd tag in jay and jay would come in and do his thing and they tag in there but it was about a, a year window i'm not proud of it but i gotta oh, be honest my god i want to go back i want to get all the security footage from all the nightclubs in gainesville from 1985 to 1990 or whenever you were uh that's I was crazy three. Man. i was three i know 85 i was in high school so you weren't out there so many people have reached out to us via social media after mondays and tuesdays shows and via text and so we wanted to thank everyone we appreciate it uh i I, i've told you for years and crowder and i you know we've done it after major sporting events and even school shootings and whatnot local radio is that last remaining town square and so we do take that responsibility seriously and we've tried to be that over the last couple of days and we'll continue to try and do our part as uh as the days go on but there is some breaking news in the world of the nba so adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted out a couple hours ago. So the NBA is inviting 22 teams to Orlando, 13 Western Conference, 9 Eastern Conference, 8 regular season games per team. So they play in for the 8th seeds. It'll go July 31st to October 12th. And the vote tomorrow to ratify will be held. And then Adrian Wojnarowski writes at the end of his tweet, the NBA is back. So good news for NBA fans. I see uh, some subsequent uh, tweets here from Ramona Shelbourne. While players and coaches will be allowed to golf and eat at outdoor restaurants in Disney, they'll also be required to maintain social distancing. So there's some stuff to be uh, worked out and all the uh, the fine print. But essentially, you're going to have a 22-team tournament in Orlando, 13 Western Conference, 9 Eastern Conference. How that relates to the Miami Heat, Ira Winderman from the Sun Sentinel tweeted, with the NBA to add only eight regular season games, it means the Heat have clinched the postseason and that Kelly Olynyk has sealed his $400,000 playoff bonus. There you go, KO. There you go, KO. Got your back, KO. We're back. We're back. Yeah, I still don't feel like doing that yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> All right. Let me know. I'm just not there yet. I, um, my only hang-up is I haven't heard any financial stuff, and that's what's like, hurting uh, baseball right now. I like Solana. Just kind of uh, go, yeah, well, let me know. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm always here with the song. Let me know. And Jimmy Butler's back as well. He's back in town. So so things are moving in that direction. <laughs> Playoffs? <laughs> Where are I? Yeah, I'm not there yet. No? I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Just let me know. All right. <laughs> 
I don't. I need an update. When do we play? When do we play Timber? I'm not. Well, that's uh, yeah, playoffs, I mean, but not yet. When you clinch the playoffs, you tweet out Pitbull. I know, Timber, but there's still there's and, still uh, there's still a lot of heavy stuff going on, and I, I just I mean I you know I, okay. I, not yet. Okay. So right. well, fi- fire one off. Let me let me see again if I feel it. Nah, not now. No, no. No. What about yeah. what about some of this? What, what just to you know, just to dip our toe in the water, kind of see how the uh, the water's feeling. So block rock and beats. Well, now that's an interesting one. <laughs> that's what yeah? did you? That's an interesting one. Nah, not yet. I'm just I'm not feeling it yet. Okay. I'm not okay. feeling it. Yet. All right. Just let me know. Though. I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll LMK. Circle back. LMK. So there is an actual plan, though, right? Yeah. So the NBA has an actual plan. The NHL has an actual plan. College football and NFL both seem to believe their seasons will start as planned, but without foot, uh, without fans in the stands. So there are plans. The only ones that don't seem to have plans are MLB and MLS. And who knows what the hell they're doing? I, I don't know what they're doing. Oh, I saw Au contraire. Au contraire. What? Rock. What? Uh, All right. Well, let's get to headlines. All right, it sounds like you're teasing a headline. Let's get to headlines with Alejandro Solana. I promise I would not have started with this had it not been because you mentioned the MLS, so I'm not Mm -hmm. fishing. We have a Don Garber. We do. Major Major League Soccer will return in 2020. Players have agreed with the league to make changes to the CBA, which clears the way for a tournament in Orlando this summer. The MLS Players Association also announced that players have agreed to the new CBA through the 2020 Five oh, seasons. So right, we'll fire off a song for this then. Let me see how I feel. Oh Nah, not feeling it. Okay. I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Did you know what you were singing a second ago? What? The this pitbull is this pitbull? Yeah, that was pitbull. Yeah. You, well Benaka means come here. Oh, I was just asking, because yeah, you 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 know see you were singing, but you were a little yeah. low. I didn't know if you were really saying the words. Well, Pitbull's kind of low on it. I was trying to I was trying to mirror what he was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. That was just sexy. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, I, I was getting sexy. <laughs> um, we'll continue. And he say like, line. "Oye, loca!" Like, "Hey, crazy lady." Yeah, come here. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, you hit the tone and there everything. Oye, loca, ven acá. Casanova, you're ready for yeah. the club, baby. Sorry, Let's El go. Casanova. Let's go. Yeah. Who's got my breakboard? Who's got my breakboard? <laughs> Oye, loca. Where's my breakboard? <laughs> She'd have had it 30 years ago. We'd had a full head of hair. Man, I am sticking with that story. <laughs> I, like I can't it. wait to start telling everybody. Put out a push notification. Right? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah right. Uh, update. Wow. So, all right. So, MLS is back. I did not see that. All right. That's yeah. good. They're still, as the NBA is, working out the kinks. But okay. uh, as it stands right now, there will be Major League Soccer in Orlando. There will be NBA in Orlando as well. Uh, still waiting to see how Major League Baseball and the MLBPA will uh, will handle their business. Solana, you call it kinks, but the, and the Major League Baseball is about money right now. With MLS and NBA, we haven't heard about what the compensation is going to be for this new playoff system, the eight games. What about the teams that didn't make it to Orlando? Do they still get paid? Because they're not playing. Like, I, I think the kinks are a lot more than we're giving the credit for. Reports suggest that Cam Newton and the Patriots have been in contact at least once this offseason. Now, according to the Boston Sports Journal, the contact was initiated by Newton's camp and wasn't meant, quote, positively or negatively. 
by the New England Patriots. Yeah, that's very not surprising to me that the Patriots are flirting with Cam Newton, and you know he's going to end up as their quarterback. And I you know told it. you, Hawk, when it yep. happened, that's what scares me because if Cam Newton goes to New England, they have the best quarterback in the division then. Yes, if he's healthy. I, just, if I mean, have, if, if his arm if he, doesn't work, and it, like if he's broken, then it doesn't matter. And is our hope, that that would be our hope, but I'm just saying, if he yeah. signed tomorrow, Hawk, and you had to, to rank him, who would be number one in the AFC East? The, the Patriots, Cam Newton, no doubt. That's, that's yep. what my fear is. Yep. There's other NFL news, too. You see what Drew Brees said? Oh, yeah. This Drew, this, this Drew is, is overcooking my grits a little bit. Yeah, he uh, he still does not agree with kneeling during the national anthem, which is fine. I don't think everyone has to kneel for the national anthem, but in, uh, in this highly volatile time, especially when I believe Colin Kaepernick's silent, silent, and peaceful protest, if you want to call it a protest, or just raising awareness by kneeling during the national anthem, when I think it was proven right and justified, Drew Brees says, I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. I would suggest that's not what Colin Kaepernick was doing, and I would suggest that his disrespect to the flag a whole hell of a lot more than that. Uh, And then he goes on to say, let me just tell you what I feel when the national anthem is played, and he talks about about his grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, which I understand. But what he said today, I I don't... Uh I certainly don't agree with it, and I don't think it's going to go very well in a locker room or a league. For somebody to say that the kneeling was against the American flag, till this day now, like, we, you haven't learned in the last three years since that right. happened with Colin that he was not kneeling on the flag, he was kneeling on social uh, mm-hmm. inequality? Like, that breeze, come on, bro. It's been years, and nobody's explained this to this man. Like, like they, hijacked, they hijacked it for people that did not want to listen and just, oh, he's, you know, disrespecting the flag. And Colin Kaepernick and Kenny Stills and everyone else told you this is not disrespecting the flag. And they would go and they would ride along with uh, with cops and they would have fundraisers and do charitable endeavors with service members. And it was never about the flag. It was about raising awareness for social injustice, which, if you've been paying attention, uh, it exists. And so I, I just uh, I, I just I don't understand how anyone now after what we've all witnessed, especially with the George Floyd video, how anyone can say what Colin Kaepernick was doing was wrong. It was right on so many levels. It was trying to make you aware three years ago so that George Floyd didn't have to die that way. He was doing it without rioting, without looting, without shouting at you. He was doing it silently and peacefully as everyone says they want. And it was to raise awareness for the exact thing that killed George Floyd. So how could you possibly look back on that and say it was wrong? It was right. Mm, 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 mm. I'm not going to dive into that politically. I'm just going to tell everyone peace, love, acceptance, and be safe. It's raining all over the place in South Florida. We need the peace. We need love. We need the acceptance. Coronavirus, we need to be safe. Do those things. Take care of each other. And we will be better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of peace, love, acceptance, and being good, it is Roger Nadal. His birthday. Rafael Nadal, even better. He's 34. Once he beat a guy named Dominique Thiem, and Dominique Thiem just threw the love right back at him. 
There has to be a, a reason why he's that successful. I mean, he won 18 Grand Slams, which is a big number, which is only two less than Roger. So definitely he's one of the greatest of all time. And uh, today as well, I saw why. Rafael Nadal returned the favor. Sorry, you are one of the, uh, the best examples that we have in tour. Uh, very hard worker, always uh, with a smile on your face, um, and a good people, no? a good person. That's, that's the, the most important thing. That's good peace and love right there. So happy birthday, Rafi Nadal, 34 years old. Once again, peace, love, acceptance, safety. Miami-Dade, you are still under curfew tonight, beginning at 9 o'clock. Broward County, you are not under curfew, but I don't think a lot of people are going to be getting out tonight because it is raining cats and dogs. It is going to be raining cats and dogs, it seems, for the next 24 hours. But then again, we don't have that much to do. We're still all under the lockdown. Miami-Dade, we're under the curfew, so hang out. Listen to sports. Download the podcast wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free, the radio.com app, or you can go to our website, wqam.com. Follow me on Twitter. We can joke around. At Dan Day Radio, just pass the time and have a good time. That's exactly what we're going to do tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, because I'll be back right here on 560 The Joe with another edition of the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.